Hello and welcome back to another episode of Baseball Night. I'm your host, Tom Brown, joined as always by my brother, Jack. Jack, it's June. It's oh yeah, two months of the baseball season's over, so I guess that would be a third. Yeah, I tell you what, um, May was, it didn't even feel like it, it happened. I remember it felt like two hours ago, I was walking into our cousin George's house for a Cinco de Mayo party, and now it's June. Um, yeah, uh, like you said, uh, a third of the season has elapsed. Uh, some players that we thought would be at the beginning of the month performing at a higher level are kind of uh, sticking around the same pace. And, um, you know, there's some there's some news to talk about all over the MLB. Yes. So, I mean, just as a wrap up or a, not a wrap up, that's not the right word for it. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but just to kind of put everything in perspective, they say you can you can peek at the standings after Memorial Day. We were past Memorial Day. Uh, Tim Tim poorly made some poorly made ribs. Uh, Rays lead the AL East. Twins lead the AL Central. Rangers lead the AL West. Braves lead the a- NL East. Brewers in the NL Central, and a tie between the D-backs and Dodgers in the NL West. And we're gonna get to that. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Yes, but that is yeah, that's um, on the rundown. And then you know, also on the rundown here is something that they, the Red Sox, have not played well against any National League team this entire season. No, and um, that's surprising because they oh, usually yeah. do really well in interleague play. Um, which you'd you'd like them to keep up because now every year they're going to play every NL team with the new schedule. Yeah, which by the way is terrific. Yeah, because I love getting I love cycling in new teams like that. That's great. Cuz like within a week we got to see them play against the, you know, Bogarts Tatis Padres super team in quotes uh Shohei and Mike Trout and then like last night uh was it last night or two nights ago? Uh, I think it might have been last night that they played Hunter Green with the Reds. So it gives you a really good chance to see everybody. Yeah. It's great. And first and foremost, thank God for seven o'clock first pitches. Um, That was just getting to be too much. I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. Sometimes you'd go in from a Celtics game, uh, usually on a low. And then you'd go get the first couple of innings of the Red Sox before you fell asleep when they were playing out West. But um, yeah, it was, it was tough to watch some of the, you know, they didn't play that good. So that made it even harder to watch. Yeah. So it all time going into this season, the Red Sox are, were 288 and 195 in interleague play. That's good enough for a 596, almost a 600 win percentage and this year they're 10 and 13 against the national league so i have they i don't know i'm like looking at their schedule i don't think the reds losing two out of three to the reds was a bummer because they're supposed to beat the reds that was kind of what they said at the broadcast was saying at the beginning of the series yeah and then they kind of really just laid a dud the first two games 
Yeah, I, well, the broadcast. The broadcast is entirely state-run media, though. Like that is. Yeah, it's actually is, getting worse. I think it, it it is getting worse because they're playing above a five hundred level right now, so they can be considered good, like and be considered contenders. Where you can watch some of these games and be like, "Yikes!" Yeah, just quick on the broadcast. Um. There's no one I like more as a as a Red Sox. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I know where this is going. Just a guy to represent the Red Sox. Ambassador. Ambassador is the word I was looking for, and that's what I thought of when I thought of Tim Wakefield is that guy. (laughs) Ah, he the booth is it's not his thing, and uh, no, he's not. He's He's playing third in the booth, right? Like they're trying to get it into a three point or three person booth so they can eventually use him on a two person. Um, but he is so you can't even really rely on Wakefield. I love him again, but he's not, he's not a pitcher. That's why he was a knuckleballer. He like Uke seems to know more about pitching and spin rate and stuff like that. You know, would and take that with a, a grain of salt if if that's what you like in your broadcast. But it, it it's not like Wake can give you like arm angle. You know how to feel throwing different pitches. He was a knuckleballer. He wasn't a pitcher. He said something the other day. If I noticed a batter doing this, I tried to do this, and I was like, with you were just trying to you are you're basically praying the thing doesn't stay. Belt doesn't high. rotate, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but you're. It's not the same as like Bayo or Whitlock or Hauk, who are like, all right, my sinker's not working. How can I play off my changeup to make it more effective? Like based on swings or setting somebody up. He's right. like, I I threw. You know, at this situation, what would you give him? Wake, oh, I'd throw a knuckleball. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Of course Three, two. You Three two game on the line. Wake, what are you going with? Uh, probably knuckleball, not my uh, eighty five mile an hour fastball. Three zero Barry Bonds at the plate. You know he's not going to swing. What are you throwing? I probably sneak that eighty five mile an hour heater right through there. Like that's that's what it is. It's not like oh yeah, I see Bayo setting him up for a sinker down and away or a sinker down and in with a bunch of fastball. I don't know, and it is tough because I also think like Uke and O'Brien have to stop what they're doing and then explain it to wake. And also like there are times where he just comes in with like a, yeah. And you're like that. You didn't, we didn't need the, yeah. Yeah. It is cool that they've been broadcasting from the monster. I think that's a cool, like different approach. That was neat. Yeah. Get yeah. It? But okay. Well, I mean, that was a, we didn't even talk about it. We didn't even talk about it going in, but we both clearly felt the exact same way about Tim. Yeah, Wakefield. that was not on the rend- rundown, but love him. But uh, yeah, great ambassador, uh... Jimmy Fun guy, great. But mm-hmm. in the uh, you booth... know what I'd like to do? I'd love to sit down and have a thirty-minute conversation with him. Sure. Yeah, I don't need him to tell me how Hunter Green can throw the ball one hundred and five and then mix in a changeup. Like he's like, I think he said yesterday. He's like, if you throw that fast, you don't need a good slider. 
And I said, yes, you do, because if you only throw that fast, Major League Baseball players will hit it every time. And honestly, because Hunter Green is still super young, it's he doesn't have a zero ERA. He doesn't win every game. Yeah. Like the Red Sox didn't go like have one hit against them. They did fine. It, yeah, I, I think we're just sitting here. All the fans are just sitting around. Everyone knows the answer is Merloni. He has it's the so, accent. It's, it's, it, he played. His best got, friend was Nomar. He played with Pedro. It's just like it's right there. He's the perfect mix of old school and new school. He's been doing games on the radio, so he knows what he's doing. He's not new at it. And you said it perfect. He's fucking from here. Yeah. That's why everybody loved Jerry Jerry Remy. Everybody loved Remy because he had the accent. He was from Somerset and he liked the Bruins. Like Lou Merloni does all of that too. Oh, yeah. It's just that's the that's it. That's the answer. Maybe maybe we'll put it on some Neverwares letterhead and just handwrite a letter. Yeah. Well, now that you mention it, uh we should look into getting a very old prop plane and leaf lettering Fenway. Oh, like at the beginning of Dunkirk? Yeah, exactly. We're on the same page today, man. And I will, and it will say, we have you surrounded. Dick Lou Merloni. Okay, back to the rundown. Yeah. So, yeah, they're just struggling. uh, And it's a bummer that you lose to a team that's not as great like Cincinnati. Because now you have the Rays, Guardians, Yankees for your next 10 games. Yeah. Glass now against Whitlock tonight. Mm-hmm. Inject it into my veins. Oh, yeah. Give me Give all it that. to me. Yeah, I want that. Oh, my I God. I want that. There, we, we'll Bayo touch versus, on it. What, Bayo versus gonna... Bradley Sunday. Again, hook up an IV. Stick it right in there. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, Archie Bradley versus, it's not no, Archie Bradley. Not, no, it's Sorry. that. It's the rookie. Taj Bradley. Taj Bradley. Yeah. Taj, Taj Bradley versus Brian Bayo is the matchup you'll get excited about five years from now on a Sunday in September. Like that's and in two weeks or and just looking even for what? Well, no, I don't want to step on this. But anyways, so it's the it's a bummer to lose those games when you have the schedule just June. June looks rough, except yeah. for a little stretch where you get. Chicago and the Marlins. Well, and it, I mean, I know we talked and the about the Triple I know we talked about it on the podcast before, but I mean, the the five or six days off they had in May, they're not getting that for the rest of the year. So that's, that's just. Did you hear them saying that's why they chose the doubleheader? Oh, uh, that's not a bad idea. They chose the doubleheader to have a day off in September. Which, uh, all things considered, things keep going the way they are. Maybe you want. Maybe you would have wanted to take that at the beginning of the year because currently still a last place team. Which yeah. Jack, it you know Icarus flew too close to the sun. Everyone's hopes got up, and Chris Sale left the game after fifty nine pitches yesterday. After a walk, after a conversation on the mound with Cora. Yeah. Then he walked. Then he walked the batter, Spencer Steer or whoever it was, and then and uh, then he a, came up. It's an MRI on his left shoulder happening today. So, I mean, if anybody of the if any of our fervent 
listeners want to go back to last week's episode where both Tom and I said, we've seen this before. We know what's happening. When is he going to miss time? And apparently it was sooner than we thought. You know, again, it's just an MRI at this point. There's been talk that he was dehydrated, although that news came out a little uh, before he's set for an MRI. So there was shoulder tightness or something uncomfortable on his left shoulder. Um, not good because as of right now, he was clearly pacing that rotation. You know, we were taking it with a grain of salt, but he was having a very good year. He was. Um, actually, when I just checked his name on Twitter to see if anyone, uh, any update had happened, someone posted what he was doing, like his baseball savant stuff. Lot of red chase rate was in the 90th percentile, K percentage 80th. Wasn't walking yep. guys 79 percentile, 75th or 76th for hard hit percentage. So he was pitching well. Mm-hmm. It was just you never know with him with his health. And the bummer is. Guys over and over get over elbow injuries. You don't get over shoulder injuries. Well, yeah, let's keep the fingers crossed, hoping it's not anything too no, severe. It could be, but yeah, but just it doesn't happen it is, much. It is, you know, a player that has a pretty heavily checkered past when it comes to injuries. Um, a guy who, when he does seem to figure it out or more importantly, when his team really needs him, it seems that's when he's, you know, most susceptible to falling apart. Yeah, so, you know, here, here we are. Um, just we're in wait and see mode. I thought actually when I sent this um, to you last night, maybe we'd we'll have, have an some update, news. but nothing. And uh, yeah, it's just like he, he kind of was just a every fifth day you you knew what you were getting again, which was nice in the rotation because Whitlock's been good. I, I mean, Bayo's been good too, and Hulk had a bad first inning, and other than that, he's been good. So I think they got rid of the problem child children, except I feel like Pavetta will be back in the rotation now over Kluber. Probably. Um, and I I don't think I, I if he has, I, I don't remember the outing, but I've seen Pavetta come out of the bullpen a couple of times now. It's the same as when he starts. Um, I don't I don't yeah. know what we're looking at anymore. Um he's not missing bats, he's not throwing that many strikes. I mean, he's not having a very good season. Yeah. Speaking of good seasons, though, how about this for a segue? Masa Yoshida. Uh, they he made an adjustment and he is slashing 312, 389, 500. That's an 889 OPS for you math wizards out there. He's weighted runs created plus 142. He's a 1.2 fan graphs war player, seven home runs. He's just he's Mr. Consistent there. And you know, it's we at first were like not skeptical, interested, and now I'm all in on the guy. Oh, he is. I mean, with the up and down season that Devers is having, he is without question their most consistent player right now. He is every single at bat giving you a good at bat. Um, you know, kind of 
sneaky pop, I want to say. You know, might not get to 30 home runs, 25 home runs maybe. That would be nice. I mean, the guy's only struck out 21 times in his career. He's got a one-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio, 21 and 21. You know we can see it. We were like, like you said, not skeptical, curious, a little interested in what they could do. Um, he's not only legit, he is like uh, easily one of the best at-bats in that lineup. He is 98th percentile in strikeout and K rate, K percentage. It's, it's, we talked about it with Casas. That's just and- great contact. Uh, to be honest, maybe we just won't we won't dig into Costas for a little bit because we he we bring him up a lot. But Yoshida is that approach that we we have been saying we like. Oh yeah, he, honestly, like seeing someone not live by the three true outcomes is kind of awesome. Yeah, but not like not like Luis Arise. He's doing it with he's trying to get doubles and home runs. He's trying to like arise to me is more of a I'm going to get on base. And if it's a single up the middle, I'm fine. Yoshida uh, doesn't seem to be like sl- as slappy as arise. I would compare arise, which is interestingly enough, because I know like at the start of this road trip, uh, Yoshida was all excited about meeting Ichiro as zero or, you know, I'm sure they've met before, but um. I would compare Arise to more of a slap each row hitter who has an unbelievable command of the strike zone, but can also take you for power in the alley. But he's just more concerned about going where or hitting the ball where it's pitched, where Yoshida is the same way. He just looks more smooth. Like everything he does looks smooth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to see. I can't. Um, I don't know his like his spray chart here is pretty consistent. He actually is like super left center. Yeah, no, he he can definitely take it um Jesus. wherever it's pitched too. But like it, just like in terms of what you said in slapping and how smooth Yoshida looks at the plate. Like, I mean, there was one week where he didn't swing and miss at a whole at a pitch. Like that's incredible. He's I and you know what? I love that they've they talked about it at the beginning of the year. I love that they've just put him at the four spot. It's like here's your consistent four hitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, traditionally, and and I do still think that you want your biggest RBI guy at four or three, but I mean, if you have a guy who's consistently getting base hits with runners in scoring position, I mean, it's kind of hard not to say that's your RBI threat. Yeah, and I'm I mean, 500 slugging's cool. So you know what his biggest problem is? Yeah. Sometimes they're not there's not the guys on base for him. Since yeah. Verdugo slowed down a little bit, Devers usually just launches it. So yep. Devers uh, is Devers is having a weird year, man. Yeah, every time he swings, I'm like, yeah, this could go four hundred and fifty feet or straight up the elevator shaft. Yeah, he does a lot of straight up the elevator shafts this year. But Yoshida, so far, well, you know, we'll have a deeper conversation about this in two weeks, maybe. 
Yeah. I mean, but, if you want no, to just I was put gonna it there say, right now, he's definitely he's definitely their leading candidate for uh, All Star. I think Verdugo is going to make it too, but I mean, it's you'd be pretty silly if, if Masa Yoshida wasn't an All Star this year. I mean, he's probably and, not going to start. No, but also Devers could have twenty home runs by then. So then you got to put Devers on there. So yeah, and, it's an and, interesting, yeah. it's an interesting group. But also, it's like ridiculous. I understand it's based off games played and stuff. But when you look at who's eligible on the ballot, Kike Hernandez has eleven errors at shortstop. Yeah, uh, he's not gonna. He's obviously not gonna make it. But it's just like Christian Arroyo's on the ballot. It's just well, that uh, the fan vote thing is so silly. Anyways, it kind of takes your accomplishments out of the question because if like you're in a big market and you're having a medium year, the fans are going to vote you in because they like you. Well, the Royals did this a couple years ago. Yeah, they I had remember. like crazy promotions at games to ballot stuff. Yeah. So at the game, they like had people like, I don't know, outside busking for just fill out a ballot, stuff it in here, and they would just fill it with Royals. So I'm glad they took, I guess it is still all fan vote. This is what I don't get about the All-Star game. Real quick, then we'll continue with the Red Sox. Why is it about, like, on your Hall of Fame plaque, what you talk about in contract negotiations, but it is based off fans? Oh, um, I don't know. It's just, just... Great point, though. Terrific point. Like, if Willie Mays, 24-time All-Star deservedly but then if you look at someone who's like a three-time all-star and it's like but he got ousted because the yankees like their shortstop better you know yeah the yankees fans i don't know i don't know that i don't know that it was when willie mays was playing it was done by the fans no no i know i'm just saying like it's it's skewed to me because of the fan vote i think it should just be players and coaches i agree with that but then you kind of get voting for your own guys but if you do it in secret maybe they they won't maybe they hate their teammate all right final thing on the red Sox. currently june 2nd oh it's my it's patrick year's birthday happy birthday pat i gotta text you um they are in last place 10 games at first but that's that's not neither here nor there because They'd be in second place in the AL Central, and they're tied with the Mariners. But also, and the Angels, so they're like in the wild card, but not because there are four teams ahead of them in their own division. Right. How um, how much longer can they be mediocre before they sell off veteran guys? Is my until question. until September until September because of the market that we're in. Because of the the fact that the rest of the AL isn't as good as the AL East, but it's the same bullshit argument as when you're when Dodgers fans are like, "Oh, I think we should get an easier path to the World Series if we set all these wins." Like that's not the world that you live in. The Red Sox are the worst team in the AL East, which means they are not a playoff team. It's as simple as that. So no, there are are they a yeah. better team than yeah? No, but I I. And I don't believe they should be considered a playoff team because they are looking more and more as the season goes on 
as the team that was projected to take the field. Um, Are they better than Detroit, Cleveland, Chicago, and Kansas City? Probably, but that's just not how the rules work. It's yeah. not an eight. It's not, oh, you get eight, eight seeds. Um, so, like, I, I mean, I, I think, I think they should consider selling. And I mentioned this in a textual transmission between uh, uh, the much vaunted baseball group. And it sucks now that he got hurt. And I don't think they would ever do it. But ride sail out until the all-star break and then trade them to a contender and bolster your farm system. That would be my best pick. If, if this continues, if three and seven over their last 10 continues, which again, it looks like it might, gang. <laughs> um, uh, Then he's your biggest trade chip by far. Yeah. Granted, he's expensive, but he has two years left on his deal. Uh, I'll check that as you continue. And he he would get he would net you the most back. Every single contending team down the stretch that has a realistic chance to make the re- the playoffs. And I know that the Red Sox are only one game back of Toronto, but the Yankees are on fire. They just don't have enough to keep up with them. Baltimore is better than everybody thought. Um, and I, they're not going to make the playoffs. So at that point. Is Chris Sale and his shoulder problems and his nagging injuries and his up and down roller coaster reliable enough to for you to keep him two three years down the road? What is the contract on that, by the way? He, yeah, he's uh fully. He has a con. He okay. Twenty twenty four, twenty seven point five million, and a club option for twenty million twenty twenty five. Which a club option? Okay, Jack, Jackie. I. Thomas, I know. Jack. I'm not in that front office. Don't even give me that attitude, Jack. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, if you, it's funny if you so look. That's at the not team, a bad trade for a team that thinks they're going to contend. <clears throat> Dodgers, Padres. If if you're looking at this team, the C.J. Abrams. The, oh wait, he already got traded. Sorry, the, go ahead. Sale makes sense, but you'd have to eat half of it, which is fine. 13 million is be- better than 27. Mm-hmm. Um, Like the only other ones that make sense are Chris Martin. Cause he's making eight and nine and a half, but yeah. You, yeah. You'd like, I looking around, then you got arbitration guys like Verdugo still are he's not a free agent until 2025 well well that that kind of I was as you were talking I kind of thought like who would you lay out is absolutely untouchable on the Red Sox right now untouchable absolutely I think there's I think there's two people on the red only two people on Devers and Yoshida absolutely untouchable right now Devers and Yoshida and Bayo uh, there are four. There are four people on the Red Sox that are absolutely untouchable right now. So who's the fourth to you? Um, uh, Alex Verdugo. Oh, okay. Yeah, they won't. They won't trade him, and I think that's more of a uh, optics. Like so, they need. Right. They need. They need Alex Verdugo to be a big star. Right. Right. Um. I thought you were asking me personally, but in their eyes, I yeah. was, but yeah, 
I I was asking you personally, but I know I I would assume you agree with they're not they're not going to or they really can't get rid of Alex Verdugo. Yeah, they can trade anybody else. Casa still has good trade value. Dollbuck's gonna get moved here any minute. Um, is he though? People like him. He's a huge trade chip. I read a story. I don't know. That could be whatever controlling the narrative, but yeah, I mean, people like him. That was, He's that still... was a big Nesson, man. Big Nesson Organ... was right in that. Organizational power. Yeah, I just, um, I, but it's going to be frustrating. Like last year, they'll make some sort of move, like getting rid of Christian Vasquez, but that's worked out because. Emmanuel Vasquez or Emmanuel Valdez, Valdez is. I like yeah, him. man. You got a lot of these guys coming back from injury. The Yu Changs, the Arroyos, and your Adam Duvall is coming back here. It's going to send a lot of kids who are having meaningful at-bats back down, which I, I'm not really crazy about. No. Because I'm going to tell you what, if Adam Duvall didn't get hurt, I'm going to guess, and I'm not trying to get in anybody's face, I'm going to guess he wouldn't still be hitting 600. With well, five that's because you don't know anything week. about baseball. That's true. All right. We alluded to this earlier. Um, the Diamondbacks are tied for their the tied with the Dodgers for not just the NL West lead, the best record in the NL. That's right. Hold on to your butts. This is, you know, this is where being on the East Coast and since May 15th having a newborn really throws you off. Hmm. I knew they were sticking around at the beginning of the year. And it was like, watch that Diamondbacks. They're fun to watch because they run and they do crazy shit. And now it's now they have the NL Cy Young favorite. Oh, yeah. The rookie of the year favorite. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Christian Walker, Laurie Scurriel Jr. Those guys can hit. It's how about the trade that the Blue Jays made? To just give the Diamondbacks Lord Escuriel Jr. for Dalton Varsho. Hey, Varsho has like an eight-game hit streak. Yikes, yikes, yikes. You know what Varsho will be, though, Jack? Okay. He'll be Frank Catalanato. He'll kill the Red Sox. And we'll be like, overall, this doesn't make baseball sense, but goddamn, the guy hit 600 against the Red Sox. He he had a huge series against them the last time they played. Yeah. But yeah, Corbin. Or, no, I remember. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that. Um, so it's just surprising. I would love to see it going. I am the biggest proponent of other than the Red Sox seeing new teams in the playoffs every year. I just always want to. I always want to see like the Pirates get in or the Marlins get in, or yeah. I mean, I'd love to see the Angels get in this year. I was just the, the only, the, really the only team I want to see get in right now is the Angels. God. Um. Um. Yeah. I. I. I mean, they're good. Uh. I don't have to tell you how much I love Zach Gallen. Uh. I remember when Merrill Kelly was pitching the, uh, game against Japan in the WBC. I think you had sent over a Zach Gallen quote about how well he thought Merrill Kelly was going to pitch. And my response to that was, well, I just wish Zach Gallen would pitch for the team USA. Because yeah. uh, a really he's, funny tweet, though. He is dominating. Yeah. I mean, a clear front. Well, I'd like to say a clear front runner, but my boy Spencer Strider's in the NL. He's just not going to get anything done against him. Um, ain't going to be no clear favorite as long as he stays healthy and keeps throwing 
um, that little hundred mile an hour action right up under your chin. Yeah, he's not bad. Um, no, but overall, yeah, I dig I dig the Diamondbacks, even though they were like the one team in the NL the Red Sox handled this year, besides the Phillies. Um, uh, but again, still they they scored they didn't score a ton of runs out there. Uh, they had that one game where Casas had three hits, and everybody had kind of said, "All right, here he goes." It's kind of more of the same, but um, yeah, I like him. Do I think the the real question though, Tom, is are the Padres ever going to make a run and knock these guys back down to planet Earth? I I don't know. I I I my thing with the Padres is. Musgroves is good, but honestly, I don't care what certain numbers say. I don't think you Darvish has had it for the past couple years. No. Snell hasn't had it. Like they'll get these, they'll win these games, and it's like, okay, you beat Colorado in San Diego. Cool. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't trust them. And I I'm starting, I have the foundation built for a theory. Oh boy. That I know I'm not the first to say this, but like when you just throw a bunch of money at a team, it doesn't seem to work. No. Like even those way above everyone else Yankee teams, their core four was homegrown. Sure. You know, like Pettit, Jeter. Your boy Posada. I mean, even those big those big name teams only won one World Series. Right. And that was way after the core four was a, a real thing. The Paul O'Neill or well, he wasn't there. Um Tino Martinez and Jorge Posada weren't playing in two thousand nine. If they were, sorry, but I don't think they were. Um So no, I'm just saying like when they no, went but out, I, I'm got... agreeing with you that these super yeah. teams don't do shit unless, like, you're unless you're the Braves, where you create a super team out of guys you've developed and then you pay big money to. Right. Yeah. It just, but saying let's, <clears throat> like, other teams complaining about the Padres spending, it sucks for all the other teams, but the Padres are just the team. The players are essentially wasting away there. Yeah, exactly. It also gives the room for other stars to be uh to come up. And then um I mean in, in baseball, you you got to get over it. It's it's not just the Padres, it's the Padres, it's the Mets, it's the Yankees, it's the Dodgers, it's the Rangers. Like it's a bunch of teams. It used to be the Red Sox. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just I don't Fucking think the Dodgers Adrian are really Gonzalez, do it. Carl Crawford, and Pablo Sandoval are the again. And Christopher Sale. Uh that be that signing st- was was a again, little too early. There yeah, it was too early, but there's still a lot of people who still think he's such an asset and valuable to the, the franchise. Yeah, on state run media. Correct. So Yeah, we're we're, I was we're looking at you, his... Lenny Donardo. I was look, looking at this um, or listening to another podcast. I actually forget which one it was, but I heard someone say, yeah, you know, he's probably the front runner for AL Cy Young along with, I guess, Alex or not Alex. Mon- no, that was your pick along with Kevin Gosman right now. And I was like, what? Because I think they were talking about. 
can't think of who they were talking about. I apologize to everyone listening. But I was like, Kevin Gosman, he kills yeah. the Red Sox, but really? Then I looked kills at everybody his, this year. You look at his stuff and this guy's cooking. Yeah. I mean, his record does isn't great because I don't think the Blue Jays help him out much, even though they have, should have this awesome lineup. But 276 ERA, 100 strikeouts. I saw to, yeah, that yesterday was his fifth 10-strikeout game of the year, which is the most, more than Strider and Kershaw. Yeah. And I was watching his pitches. His splitter is, I don't even know how you would figure to come close to it. He's striking out yeah, 12 dirty. guys a game. Yeah, you know, that was a another guy who got a big money contract uh coming from San Francisco that again, this another team that spends money. The Blue Jays spend money. Uh since he's been there in his last 2 years in San Francisco, this guy's been a top 10 pitcher in the MLB. I think now he's just having like the 21 year that he had in San Francisco that got him paid where he went 281 the whole season. He's got an under 3 ERA and like you said, just whiffing people at a career high rate. And he he makes starts. 33, 31. Uh, he He's made does. every start this year. I mean, go, even going back to when he was on Baltimore, 34 starts, 30 starts. Uh, yeah. yeah. How about just... that, man? You got a you got a four ERA guy for his whole entire career in Baltimore, and then you get him on the right situation and he takes off. Yeah. Gets under four in 2020, which, you know caveat that was a that was a tongue-in-cheek way of saying leave tristan casas alone (laughs) yeah let him develop i don't want to hear anymore pete abraham oh what's abe saying i missed it he uh it was after it was one of the games that like duran and casas actually played well i think it was the game they scored seven against the diamondbacks and as soon as the game ended he just tweeted out like Duran and Casas, nine for 70, one extra base hit. And it's just like, all right, man. We cool, get cool, cool. it. Uh, yeah, you want to drag everybody down to the bottom of the pool with you? Guys that are not at the bottom of the pool, Pete Alonso is currently on pace for 59 home runs, and a two-homer game would put that over 60. And just Aaron Judge it. on pace for 52. Yeah. So... I mean, we're gonna. I'm gonna do a little bit of spoiler here uh, for one of our later segments on the show. Aaron Judge in the month of May has been ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous to the point where it looks like sometimes he can just turn it on and off when he wants to. Um, Alonzo has been kind of consistently hitting home runs all year. Um, Pete Alonzo always has a post All Star game dip for the ages, though. Like, mm. that's just the way he plays. He'll go, he'll win the home run derby and hit a 560-foot home run, and then he'll go, like, one for 40 after the All-Star break. So I'm not I'm not going to get excited on Pete Alonzo until I see he does it till late in the summer. Um, however, I stop what I'm doing to watch Aaron Judge at bats right now. That is That is how locked in he is at the plate. And he looks like... We talk a lot about Mike Trout and Betts. Aaron Judge looks right now like the best player offensively in baseball. Really? I would say so. Well, Ronald Acuna's on the phone, but 
I know. I get it. I get it. So they're doing it in different ways, though. Yeah. So I was just thinking, wouldn't it be fun if in 2017, Judge came in, set the rookie record. Next year, Pete Alonso comes out and hits one more. Wouldn't it be fucking dope if Pete Alonso hit 63 home runs this year? It would. However, Aaron Judge would still have that record in the AL. Well, it's funny. I was reading something and um, they said in the article, because I was trying to look up his pace and early on before it was like he's currently on pace for about 63 or 64 home runs, which would break Aaron Judge's record set last year. And I was like, well, it wouldn't break it because he's a National League player. And it's still not the home run record. So yeah, it's, it's not breaking anything. It's just hitting 63 it is, home runs. Yeah, it's 63 home runs. It's not even second place in the NL. Sammy no. Sosa hits 66. Like, well, it's, inc- it's incredible. Second place in the home 70, in the, 70, the 70. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, it so. just, I, I was like, bad, you know, that seemed, I don't know who the source was, but I don't think it was necessarily uh, fact-checked. Well, with your, I just want to lay some Aaron Judge numbers at you that um, it, it kind of fits in perfectly with what you're saying of what they're on pace for. It exactly 47 games through the season between 2022 and 2023 for Aaron Judge. He has the same amount of home runs as 18, same amount of multi-homer games as four, same amount of multi-hit games, 13. Two more runs scored, 41 to 39. One more RBI this year. One more extra base hit. And he's hitting a home run the exact same time every 11 plate appearances. Slashing right now, 298, 410, 679, 1088. He is on pace to do the exact same thing he did last year, except now he's getting hotter sooner than he was last year. Like last year it was the month of July, he was out of it. And then August and September, he just got on a huge heater. Or maybe it was July, he was on a heater, and then August, he fell off. But either way. Well, the the one difference is he missed two weeks, so his 47th game is later in the season. Okay, so, good point. Yeah, good point. So he he's played 47 games, but that was at like the 48, 49, or 50 game mark for the Yankees last year. But I still, gotcha. it does not stop the fact that I don't know why you throw it where his bat can reach right now. But exactly. So basically the point I'm trying to make is this is exactly what peak Aaron Judge is. Yep. This is Aaron Judge in the prime of his career. Okay, so let's just go right to that point now. Would you you ask who we think players of the month are? Do you want to do it by league or just a batter and a pitcher? Um I mean, we can do. I mean, I'm I'm prepared to do one of each per league. Okay. Well, Aaron Judge, I think, would be both of ours. Aaron Judge is the AL Player of the Month, in my humble opinion. Yes. Okay. And who would you have for the NL? The NL Player of the Month would be Ronald Acuna Jr. Or maybe Juan Soto. Actually, damn, Juan Soto had such a ridiculous May. Yeah, Juan. Jack. I'm going to go with Mookie Betts. Yeah. There's a ah. chance that you know, it could be Freddie Freeman, too. Yeah. He had not, ah, Betts had nine home runs. 
You know what Betts does that no one else really does of the guys we've mentioned is he has all five tools and uses them every game. Yeah, I was just going to say he is a gold glove outfielder that plays infield as well. Aaron Judge plays Aaron Judge plays a hell of an outfield too. way better outfield than he's like rated at. Not as good as Mookie Betts. Not what would happen if they put him at second or short. Well, terrific point. Terrific. Because we've seen an outfielder try and play infield this year for our favorite team. And if you just go look up who leads the league in errors. So I've also right. seen a very tall corner infielder try to play shortstop in the major yep. leagues for the first time. Okay. What do you, what would you say for very questionable your pitchers? Um, the, I think who we just talked about, Kevin Gossman is having an unbelievable um, may, may right now. For the AL, yeah. So, Jack, I'm gonna say Nate Evaldi. He had a .96 yeah, ERA. It actually might be Nate Evaldi. Yeah, I forgot about him because we were just talking about Gossman, who's been really good in April too. But Evaldi probably wins May. And then in the National League, um, I think it's yeah unanimous okay. again. I think it's just that Gallon. Um, yeah, uh, I believe there's a kid from the Cubs that's having a pretty good Justin Steele. I want to say yeah. his name is, is yeah. having an unbelievable May. But I mean, if you look at like certain numbers, Waka had a 0.84 ERA, but he like didn't strike out people at the rate the other guys did. Um, like Mitch Keller struck out 12 guys per game in the month. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know we Kodai don't have Senga it has a struck out 11.79 couldn't the dude I, I mean i've talked about him on the show before pitching ninja terrific follow if you want to see some unbelievable break on a pitch mm-hmm. go watch a kode Senga game and watch him throw that friggin ghost fork ball yeah yeah believable so yeah i don't think you can go wrong but it looking at nate Evaldi being having under one era and um Fangraphs doesn't do straight up strikeouts, but I think he had a complete game or two. Yeah. I mean, Mitch Keller was three and one with a two, four, five ERA in the month of May. That's, that's pretty good for a team that stopped winning around him. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's why you got to start kind of glancing over at FIP. Cause when you look at FIP, uh, where'd he go? Shoot. I can't find him now. Where's my boy. I just said Nate Evaldi. His .96 ERA kind of jumps up to, not kind of, jumps up to 305. And then Mitch Keller, his FIP is 2.19. So the team can play a, a small part in that. Okay, right. Jack. What do you, uh? oh, actually, instead of uh, what we're looking forward to this weekend, let's just end on a good note before I try and stump you. Liam Hendricks came back after... Oh, okay. Um, beating stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He pitched yeah. in a major league game six months later. That's awesome. Good for him. You know, and if you want to just kind of have a, a warm and fuzzy feeling, what, just watch the video. Look it up. Look it up when he comes onto yeah. the mound. There's a lot of... um. There's a lot of warm and fuzzies going on. A great follow on Twitter for MLB Twitter is S. Langs. Uh, Langs on Langs. sports. Yeah, 
So <clears throat> it being Lou Gehrig Day today, uh, June 2nd, uh, I watched a video called My Friend Sarah. Woo! Oh. Mandy Bell or Ball. Yep, that is exactly yeah. right. So I was reading, today's Lou Gehrig Day because this is the day he died in 1941. Today is fucking Sarah Lang's birthday. Yeah. That's weird. I know. And she has ALS. It is fucking that is, weird. And she has the most rare disease the, in the world. That is the same one that Lou Gehrig had. It's just incredible. I just finished Lou Gehrig's uh, biography. And as I was reading it, I was like, this is sad because in 1938, he people were like, oh, Lou Gehrig's slowing down a little bit. And he's still bad like 294 with 28 home runs. And then the next year, he couldn't do anything. And I was like, that man hit 294 and 28 home runs with the early signs of ALS. Yeah. What? <laughs> like, yeah, that's all he did was he was like, something's different. I'm going to order lighter bats. <laughs> and that's what he did. All right. Let's stump Jack, folks. The year is what? Here's this is going to clear it up really nice and easy for you. New York's Joe DiMaggio wins the American League MVP by one vote over Boston's Ted Williams. Okay. Williams wins the Triple Crown, batting 344, or sorry, 343. Wow, he sucks. 32 home runs, 114 RBI. He also leads the AL in runs, total bases, runs produced, walks, OBP, 499, and slugging. Wait. You didn't do this year to me, did you? Last... I don't think so. Okay. What was yours last week? Um, I am on no sleep. 50s in the 50s. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was 50 set. Ted, Ted Williams last season. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. It was I Mickey just Mantle. remember reading the Ted Williams stuff and thinking, oh, shit. No, I think I just picked that Mantle, at 38. I think I, yeah, I think I picked Mantle and Mays. <laughs> like, because you picked Bonds and Maddox one time. Yeah. All right. Detroit Tank Greenberg, the reigning home AL home run and RBI king, is sold prior to the 1947 season to Pittsburgh. Were you supposed to tell me the uh, year just then? Because you kind of gave me a pretty good idea of what the year you're talking about. Oh, fuck. Yep, I got to pick a new one. <laughs> Why would they put that in there? <laughs> Why would you read it? Because I'm just reading it. Oh, fuck. That was, yeah, that I totally blanked on that. Okay, okay. Was your big hit going to be, also, baseball was integrated this year? I was just not going to say that one. <laughs> I was, I was going to skip it. I knew it was that one. Okay. How crazy is it that Joe DiMaggio beat Ted Williams in the MVP twice, wow. having less seasons by a combined, like, maybe five votes? Well... Yeah, and then one year it wasn't even DiMaggio. It was some schmuck from the Yankees. That was, I gave you that year, I think. I definitely gave you that year once. Okay. Anyways, back to it. Uh, now we're here. Now I got to change. I got a decade's worth of changing in my head to do. 
The AL and NL both expand to 12 teams and divide into two divisions. Oh, boy. The first major league game is played outside the United States on April 14th. Bowie Kuhn is the new commissioner. The Twins' Harmon Killebrew leads the majors with 49 home runs and 140 RBI and is the AL MVP. Okay. The Giants' Willie McCovey is NL MVP after leading league with homers, 45, RBI, 126. Slugging average, that's odd, 656, and on base, 458. He recorded 45 intentional walks. Okay. Um, do you want do you want me to keep going? Yeah, give me something else. The Mets Tom Seaver tops the majors with 25 wins and okay. cops That's the Cy Young one. Award. That's a big one. Okay. Would you like another? Yeah, who's the, the we got an AL Cy Young or is it still back before there was two? Detroit's Denny McLean leads the AL yeah. with nine shutouts and 24 wins. McLean and Baltimore's Mike Culler share the AL Cy Young Award. Okay. I think um I think I'm I'm narrowing it down here. Okay. Um so it was Harmon Killebrew and Willie McCovey. Mm-hmm. Willie McCovey and Ted Williams had the same amount of home runs. Five twenty one. Tom Seaver. And Frank Thomas. Tom Seaver and who was the ale? There was a joint ale. Denny McLean. Uh huh. And Mike Culler. Queller? Okay. So I'm trying to think of when Tom Seaver would have been at his best. And I'm getting him confused with Nolan Ryan, who is a rookie on the 69 team. So I think Seaver's older than Ryan. Um,. I'm going to say I, I got it down between two years. One year, I'm pretty sure it was dominated by another guy in the NL, so I don't think he's did it. I'm going to say... Oh, damn. Hold on. I'm going to say 1966. 1969, the year of the Miracle Mets. Golly! Now, would this give it giving it away to you? Twins manager Billy Martin beats up one of his own pitchers, Dave Boswell. <laughs> that's a no. fun fact what a shitty fans. manager if the only thing you're famous for is beating up one of your players and then getting into very public fights with your best player it's so funny yeah he was a pistol all right yep i did that on for on purpose because for some reason i feel like you like the 69 mets and then i was pumped when they threw denny mclean in there because Obviously, year of the pitcher is sixty-eight, so it's like, oh yeah, he, he, yeah, he won like thirty-one games, and that could yeah. throw you off. So the other thing I was thinking of is like that had to be before Bob Gibson's year of the pitcher. Like it had to be right. before yeah. that. And then when you said Danny McLean, I like I know it's not, but there's like, aren't there pitchers from the forties like the McLeans like? Dizzy and Jill. No, that's Dizzy so. and Daffy Dean. Dean, okay. So I got, all right. Okay, so that's where I got spun around a little bit, and I'm thinking, wait, 
Then they got pitch in the thirties. Like, so, all right. Well, you're thinking of John McClain, New York city cop, everyday guy that had to save Yaka, Yakatama, Yokotama Plaza. Well, there's only one way to end the podcast after that. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. Bye, Jack.